the prodigal son. He literally goes to his dad, his father, and says, I want my inheritance now. You think his father was like, hmm, that's a good idea. No. He's like, this is terrible. This isn't going to end well. But yet he said, okay, if that's what you want. And even Jesus does that to us. He says, no, I've, that's why I went to the cross. That's why I died for you, so that you don't have to choose this bad choice. You know. to episode four of the Light It Up podcast. I am your host, Wyatt Taylor. With us today, we have JJ as a co-host, we have Raphael as a co-host, and for our special guest, we have Pastor Eric Long. He is uh, the pastor uh, pastor in Stockton, California. He is also JJ and Raphael's pastor, um, and he will be discussing with us uh, the critical crossroads of making the right decisions and how that links in with God's will for your life. Before we start the episode, we wanted to let you know that we are now on Spotify. So simply search up the Light It Up Podcast CFM in all caps uh, because there are multiple Light It Up podcasts and we would really appreciate your support on there. So without further ado, we thank you for being here and we hope you enjoy. Why don't you give just a quick testimony of what God has done in your life? Okay. Uh, My name is Eric Long. I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, I've been saved now for 12 years. Um, I got saved on March 13, 2011. Um, pretty much grew up in church for the majority of my life. I got, or, uh, my parents got saved when I was very young, right around uh, seven, eight years old, somewhere around there. And um, they got saved, completely transformed the way that I was growing up. My dad was in prison for the first uh, part of my life, so it was just my mom, four kids, and uh, we were pretty wild. No discipline, no direction, really, just kind of going with the flow, doing what the world was doing. Um, but then when my dad got home from, from prison, he was saved, changed everything. We started going to church. Uh, my dad right away was very involved with the church. He got he got converted, and... Um, that was pretty much the the majority of my childhood growing up in church <clears throat> all the way up until uh, middle school, early high school, freshman, sophomore year, right around there. Um, that's when I started uh, real. I was already dipping and dabbling in the things of the world, but that's when I really started going down uh, the wrong path. I, I played sports, but I was still hanging around with the, with the bad crowd, with the wrong crowd. Um, and slowly but surely, I really started going downhill. And by my junior year in high school, I was completely, um, wasn't even trying to hide it, wasn't even trying to uh, uh, profess to be saved. It was just, this is just the way that it is. And um, by my senior year, towards the end of my senior year, um, I graduated. Um, and I was already drinking almost every day, smoking weed popping pills, doing all that stuff, sleeping around, all that stuff. And then right after I graduated, I moved out of my parents' house, told them I don't want to have anything to do with this anymore. Uh, This Christian stuff, this church stuff, uh, left the church, left my parents' home, and uh, went off and did my own thing. I was out on my own for about two years, two and a half years or so, um, just completely engorged in the world. And... uh, that's all it took. It was two years for me to realize that this world has absolutely nothing to offer. I was doing everything the world was doing. I started going to college, um, was doing much harder drugs, drinking every day, looking for answers that I knew were not there. And um, uh, Basically, what ended up happening is is I just fell on really hard times. I ended up having to move back in with my parents. And uh, my mom, she uh, invited me to go to church with them on a Sunday morning. 
and I had no intention. There was uh, there was no intention on being saved. It wasn't like I had this this uh, you know angel from heaven telling me that it's time for me to come home. It was just you know she had told me she was going to buy me some lunch after church, and I was broke. So I said, "Cool, I'm gonna go eat some lunch with Mama," and uh, I went and got I went to church because I knew I was going to get some food. And that morning, uh, my pastor uh, preached, and uh, I don't really remember. I know now what the sermon was, but back then I didn't know what the sermon was. But um, that altar call came, and it felt like just uh, it was almost like a, a fear that I had never experienced before, as far as. It was, you know, I knew who God was. I knew what salvation was all about, but it wasn't real. But what God made real to me was, I'm not always going to be here. And and this conviction, this uh, me holding on to you, if you will, is it's, I'm not always going to be there. You, it, now is the day for salvation. It's time for you to make up your mind. And I was so, it brought so much fear in my heart not so much the fear of going to hell but more the fear of not having another option or not having any more options or chances if you will to accept christ and i didn't have any intention on staying saved it was one of those okay let me just try this and see what happens and um i got saved uh, and and i started doing the same thing every day just started making the choice today i'm going to serve you I've been doing the same thing every day for <clears throat> 12 years, and uh, that day, the course of my life changed, and now uh, everything is completely transformed in my life. My mind, my heart, my desires, uh, purpose and calling were instilled uh, into my life, and, and, I, and I began to strive for calling, and all that God had for me still has for me, and... Um, here we are 12 years later preaching the gospel, um, completely engorged in the things of God. And um, there has been absolutely nothing greater than accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior because that is what has brought my life meaning. That is what's brought change and that is what's brought victory in my life. And um, yeah, so and now today I'm 31 years old. Um, preaching the gospel in Stockton, California, and uh, excited for all that's coming next. How was that? That was awesome. And <laughs> I just wanted to say that it's incredible how, um, well, first of all, how quickly you were able to get out of the will of God, but then also how quickly you were able to get back in. And just mm -hmm. the love of God is so immense and so awesome, which is a perfect segue into the subject we are going to be talking about today, which is making the right decisions. So obviously, based off of your testimony, um, going to church and then backsliding, but coming back and now having um, an amazing life for 12 years now because of your decision to live for God has obviously changed a lot. So... Number one, we're going to be talking about decisions, uh, good and bad. So I wanted to ask, um, this is kind of a simple question, but I think also something that can be extensive at the same time. So what makes a decision, a decision good and, or bad? And then what makes a decision biblically good and biblically bad? Um. So what makes a decision good or bad? And then what makes a decision biblically good or biblically bad? Well, in all reality, there is no difference between the two. All decisions are God decisions uh, in all reality. And what I mean by that is whether the decision is good or bad or whatever it is that you choose, ultimately it's going to affect your walk with God in one way or another. So there really is no difference between those two. But that being said, um, it is quite simple. Any decision that brings you closer to God or closer to his purpose, closer to his will for your life or for the kingdom, that's going to be a good decision. But any decision that is not for your, 
uh, you know, purpose or destiny or for the kingdom, that's going to be a bad decision. Now, I know that's very broad, but in a nutshell, that's really the difference. You know, uh, you could argue that there might be some gray area, especially if you're talking about, uh, you know, things that are fairly minor decisions. But um, as far as decisions for the kingdom, decisions for our lives uh, that are going to propel us into what God wants us to be, any <clears throat> any decision that brings you closer to the will of God is going to be a good decision. And any decision that takes you farther away from that is a bad decision. And then a the question I had is, how does making a decision like make a difference? Because I know you were saying how you made like um, <clears throat> a choice to like backslide and then you made a choice to like come back to God. So like how does making decisions change? Choices, choices are everything. Um, I've seen people, especially recently, I've seen people that have made choices that if they would have known where those choices were going to take them, they would not have made those choices. Um, you know, the thing about, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. It's It's easy to look at decisions that we should have made when time passes or when when you see the result of those decisions, but the reality is you don't know the result of the decision. And that is why when making decisions for the kingdom, you know that because it's for the kingdom, because you're doing things the way the will of God has designed, all things work together for come together for good. So those who love God and called according to his purpose. So the idea is if you're making decisions for your life, for your family, for your uh, future, if you're making decisions in, you know, regarding those areas, then it's going to work out for good. Um, you know, it might not be the way we always want it to, but it'll make decisions for good. Now, the contrary is when you make decisions that aren't for the kingdom, where those decisions can take you, God only knows. I know people that are not alive today because they made decisions away from where God wants them to be. Pastor Mitchell is famous for, for the saying, um, sin will take you farther than you want to go and it'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And really what that saying is in a nutshell is when you make a choice to go into the, to go into the world or go against the will of God, then it's the result of that is going to be far worse than you realize. And uh, for my life personally, you know, I willingly took the risk to go out into the world and do what I wanted to do. But I can honestly say I didn't understand. I, I was blinded by the desire for sin. I didn't understand where those choices were going to take me. And um, thank God that, that I had opportunity to come back to Christ. But not everybody does, which is why. Uh, you know, these people that, that are making choices to go back into the world, uh, man, uh, that's a, you're, you're literally playing with eternity. And that's not something you want to play with. So. Um, so going back, you were saying that, oh, no, I'm trying to remember what you said. Uh, so you grew up in church. You went away then you came back what was the big decisions you basically made to stay in church because you played the church kid at a young age did you change the decisions you decided to do instead of um just continuing the way you were before you left the church that's a good question um i think that a lot of i think that a lot of kids especially kids that grow up in church you know, we say church kids, but not everybody knows what that means. You know, so we're talking about people that have that their parents take them to church all the time, three times a week, sometimes even more. But I think that a lot of kids that grow up in church, especially in our fellowship, I think that they believe that, you know, the scripture is to whom much is given, much is required. And they mm -hmm. think that there has to be these huge, massive stands immediately in the beginning and there's truth to that you know i i made some pretty big stands in the beginning but 
looking back, it wasn't those big stands that that helped me. You know, your question is, what did I do different, or what decisions that I make that were that made when I got saved different than before? And I firmly, firmly, firmly believe it was the little decisions that I made that I didn't even think that they were a big deal at the time. So, for example, the day that I got saved, the day that I got saved, I had no intention on getting saved. And when I went to the altar, I remember making a decision. And that was, God, even if I mess up, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to serve you the rest. Oh, you know, I'm just going to, no matter what, I'm always going to serve you. And it was something along those lines, but it was more of, there was an expectation of when I fall, because there's no way I'm going to, God, I've been doing this for 19 years and it hasn't worked. So when I fall, or even if I mess up, I'm still going to serve you. And I made that decision, but it wasn't the one decision that day. After I prayed at the altar, service was dismissed. I had drugs in my car. I had alcohol in my car. I had um, uh, pills. I had everything. And I went to my car, and it was like, here comes another decision. I didn't think about it at the time, but looking back, it was like, okay, what am I going to do with all this stuff? And I remember going home, and I didn't have this, this like, hyper-spiritual feeling like, oh, man, I'm just so <laughs> radical for Jesus. Oh, man, this is going to... It was... No, I'll just get more tomorrow. That was my <laughs> mindset. It wasn't like I was, you know, just super holy right away. I hadn't... Remember, I had no intention on staying safe. It was, I'm going to just get more tomorrow. But I made a decision to throw all of it away. So I threw away my paraphernalia, my pipes, my bottles, everything. I threw everything away. I went to sleep that night, woke up that morning, and immediately it was almost like God was speaking to me saying, what are you going to do? And I made another decision. I said, you know what? Today I'm going to try again. I'm just going to try again. Let's see how long I could do this. And every day, it was like just the little decisions. Next thing you know, my friends are calling me. I was like, you know what? I'm going to ignore the call today. And like all of these little decisions that I didn't realize were massive decisions in hindsight. All those little decisions is what made the difference. So I think that that was what made the difference and what ultimately led me into conversion. You know, because before when you get saved and you're coming up in church, you make a decision at the altar, but then you leave the altar, and a lot of times you don't make the right decisions, which is why that initial experience kind of runs dry. But when you're making the right decisions, everything changes. So that was crucial. And I didn't even know it at the time, but looking back, that was crucial. It was the small decisions that made the world of a difference. So, for example, people like your age... You know, the decision of, okay, I'm not going to hang out with this crowd. Or, yeah, I know that these, I know our both of our churches are fairly small, but it's like, you know, in, in the church that I came up in, it was small, but we had a lot of youth that weren't saved. So when I got saved, it was like, okay, I'm not going to hang around my old friends. I'm going to hang around adults that are saved. I don't need to hang around with a bunch of kids. I'm going to grow up. I'm going to be a man. You know what I mean? And uh, things like that. So that was what, that was a major, major um, uh, thing that took place or that, that was needed in my life that I didn't realize at the time. But that's what made the difference. So do you think all decisions as Christians, are they... The little decisions, do you think they even matter sometimes? Or do you think they're just whatever? Like to, you had mentioned, do our decisions matter to the people that aren't saved? Is that yeah, 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 that's what I'm talking about. Like, like, like this, do they decide, affect them? Yeah, just like deciding not to cuss and mm. uh, deciding not to hang out with some crowds or deciding not to bring up uh, drugs or whatever. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I think that um, everybody's different. I think that people, it depends on the person. It depends on how close you are with that person. Uh, you know, I think people that maybe aren't so close with you, when you make decisions that, you know, for example, you're not going to do drugs anymore, you know, they're, they might be a little salty about it for about 10 minutes. <laughs> and, then, and then they're going to they're gonna be like, oh, well, I didn't like that guy anyways. I, I only, you know, I had one friend tell me, well, I, I wouldn't call him a friend. But I had one, you know, peer of mine tell me, well, I only hung out with you because you had a car. It's like, dang, man. You know, because I'm telling all my friends I'm not doing this stuff. You know, but but I have, for but you know, that's the people that maybe aren't so close. But I had some some very, very close friends, like brothers, that, you know, I remember having both of them uh, in my kitchen. Because what it, it was kind of a long story, but I had... I'd blown my knee out and I wasn't, I was kind of bedridden for like two or three months. So I was just kind of stuck at the house. Couldn't do anything. Cause I, I, I wasn't supposed to put any weight on my leg, which is almost a blessing from God. Cause I got saved in that time. So I wasn't out partying and doing all that. It was like, I was in a cave, you know, just doing nothing, but listening to sermons and, and reading my Bible and trying to get closer to God, you know? So, but towards the end of that, my friends came around and were like, What's going on? Where, like, where you been, man? We, we, you've been calling, and they're just coming to check up. And I, I had this whole conversation with them, and I told them, "I love you, but I'm not going to hell for you." And uh, wow. they were hurt. They were hurt, man. They were like really hurt. Like, like, not. I, let me rephrase that. They were, they were happy for me because I told them, "I was like, I got saved, man." But you got to remember. Well, I know Rafa and Jay probably know this, but. In my part of my testimony is that I'd gotten saved for about two or three weeks before in the past, and um, I made this huge stand to my friends, but then I went I I backslid, so that affected them. So when they heard that I got saved, that I was converted, I think a part of them they knew it was real, but they were kind of like, "Yeah, you said that last time, you know." But when I told them I love you, but I'm not going to hell for you. You know, it was like, if you want to hang out with me, we can hang out at church. They were happy for me, but about a week or two into it, when they realized, like, oh, he's not playing, they they were hurt. And to this day, to this day, it's been 12 years, out of the two friends, one of them calls me occasionally when he's drunker than a skunk, and he's crying and why can't things go back to the way they used to be? It's like, bro, we're in our thirties, <laughs> you know. But one of the things that he'll tell you is, or tell me is, Eric, you were right, you know, because his life is—he's doing the same things we were doing when we were seventeen, you know. But he'll tell me, Eric, you were right. He's like, I wish we could go back to how it was, but I, you were right. My, my other friend, same thing. He says, you, you know what, you. You know, his brother, who was also real close with us, died of a heroin overdose. And he's looking at me saying, Eric, you made the right choice. So it's like these decisions for some people, they might hurt. Nobody wants to be, you know, told that they're not going to hang out with them anymore. You know, and I'm not going to I'm not going to do the same things I've always done with you because they're sinners. They don't they don't get it. But I promise you those decisions make a bigger impact in their lives. You know, I'm still believing God that they get saved, you know, but those decisions do affect them. But for the most part, it can affect them in a good way. You know, I, I know multiple people. I can name multiple people that they got saved because they saw somebody, they saw somebody else making right decisions for God. You know, I think it just depends on the person, depends on the relationship. Um, I think it can affect people both good and bad, but ultimately good because it allows us as Christians to be that light and shine, um, you know, the light of Christ through those people that are saved. So um, I wanted to ask um, how, um, let's see, how do I phrase this? Um, Obviously your decisions changed the plan 
God had for you, or maybe not changed too much, but they kind of shifted because you, or what I'm trying to say is, did they shift? Did God's plan for you shift because you were out of the will of God for a time? Did God's plan for your life change or how, how do you, how does that really work? Mm, I heard a Tom Payne sermon a long time ago, long time ago. Um, and he made the statement that, you know, people that make blueprints, architects and engineers and things of that nature, when they make blueprints, everything that, that is created or written down in a blueprint has to be 100% precise. It's like if you, if you're even a couple of inches off, you know, from the original measurement, it's like if you're, if you're, if you're a couple, if you're two inches off from a hundred, uh, you know, on the, on the ground level of a hundred story or, a, you know, a hundred foot building or a 500 foot building, I don't know, huge building. By the time you get all the way to the top, you're, you're, you're so far slanted. This building has become so far slanted that there's no way it could stand anymore. So the idea is when you make blueprints, they have to be precise. And in the, his sermon, he made the statement, thank God that God doesn't operate on blueprints. That there might be times where you get a little bit, where you, you get a little bit out of line. You get a little bit whacked out and weird. But yet God is able to bring you right back into the place where he wants you to be. And I say that because, you know, I think I mentioned this a while back, but. I got saved when I was 19, so it's not like, you know, and, and I started, I uh, got sent out when I was 23, so it's not like I was, I don't think that by me backsliding or me getting saved a little bit later, I don't think that it, you know, it's like what what I've gotten sent out when I was 22, you know, it's like I don't I don't think there's that much of a change in that aspect. I believe this is where God wanted me to be, but I do believe, not so much for my life, but I do believe that there were people that I was meant to win to Christ. I do believe that there were people that I was meant to be that witness for them. I think about literally thousands of kids. You know, I didn't, you guys are in high school. I didn't, I wasn't saved in high school. Not even a little bit. My kid, my um, classmates, teammates, none of them, like they, none of them knew that I was someone who went to church. None of them. Like I, I was very, I mean, maybe they saw it a little bit, but I was very opposite of what a Christian should be. And I think about all those people who maybe I could have had an impact on had I been saved, you know? So I think for some people, yeah, of course. You know, I, there are people that grew up in church with me that are my same age that to this day are still not saved. And they're 30, 31, 32, 33 years old. And it's like, okay, that's some time. You know, that's, that's a lot of time. You're talking, you know, 15, some of them even 20 years that they essentially wasted on, on uh, uh, you know, uh, worldly living like the prodigal talks about so I do believe that you do get to a certain point where you miss out on things that God has had for your life 100% you know you can look at that scripturally you can look at that through just different people's lives in general um, but ultimately I do believe you know that um, I mean you, you look at the, the rich young ruler this, there was a purpose there was a plan Jesus said, follow me to him, just like he did to the disciples. This guy could have literally been a disciple named in the word of God that we know. But now all we know him is the rich young ruler, you know. So I do believe that you can get to a point where you can miss out on the, the purposes of God for your life. But for me personally, you know, I don't think that I missed out so much on my own personal destiny as much as I believe I probably missed out on some opportunities to win some people to Jesus. Anything you guys wanted to uh, add? Um, just a quick like question. So you said you guys said that nineteen. When exactly did you? How do I phrase it? So basically, 
when did you knew that you wanted to become a pastor? When you got saved, like, um, well, well, I know I could tell you exactly. It was, uh, I believe it was, <clears throat> I know it was July conference of t- 2011, but I, it was probably Tuesday. Tuesday or thir- Tuesday or Wednesday, wherever it was Mark Olson. I know it's Pastor Mark Olson preaching, but you know you guys have been to conference. They pull the, you know, altar during the altar call. They they make the call if you feel like you're called to preach or God's dealing with you to you know to stand up and acknowledge that. And I remember we're still in the tent in Prescott. You know, I remember where I was standing, and I didn't feel like I wanted to preach. I don't think that wasn't what I was feeling. I felt like God was telling me, this is your calling. This is what I'm calling you to do. And it was more of a surrender. Like, okay, God, if this is what you want me to do, then I'll do it. You know, I didn't, if you would have told me I was going to be pastoring in Stockton, you know, 12 years later, you know, and I couldn't have even, back then I didn't even know where Stockton was. You know, it's like, I, I there's no way that, if, you know, if you would have told me that three years after that, three, three and a half years after that, I would have been getting sent out to pastor my first church. I would have been like, there's no way. I didn't even know if I could stay saved longer than a year, longer than a week, you know. Um, so it wasn't that so much I wanted to be a pastor. It was like, no, God, I want what you want for me. But yeah, so, so about three months after I got saved, at a at a July conference, that's when it's amazing. That's when it all changed. Okay, so let me just let me just put a plug in there. That's why we need to go to conference. <laughs> I'm serious. Conference, nice. Man. It's a take note of that. Yeah, take notes. Write it down. Like that conference will save your life, and I mean that. I mean you 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 want to know what what you know destiny you want to know where uh what god has for your life and you want to experience a supernatural dimension of god's presence something real go to conference that's my plug because it's coming up and then a question the last question i had was like as for people in the church like let's say if there's like a brother or sister who if it's unintentionally like making a wrong choice that you see, like, how would you, like, help them or influence them to, like, show them what they're doing and, like, to change? That's a good question. That's a hard question because you can't make decisions for people. And um, the reason, why, you know, especially being a pastor, that's that's the majority of what we do as pastors. We're trying to well, you think think of it this way. When you are a pastor, you know, you guys are all on here for your podcast. I'm not sure if that's a calling you guys are, you know, pursuing or whatnot. But it's like the goal of every pastor, the goal of every sermon that you preach is you are trying to get people to change. That's the goal. So in other words, you're trying to get people to come to the altar and make a choice to change. Now, some that, that's the hardest thing that we'll ever do because we can't do it for people, you know. So there's times where I've seen people many times, man. That that's some of the the heartaches of pastoring is is your see, you know the 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 path that people are choosing to take that you know is not going to end well. You you know, there's been times where I've told people like. This is not going to end well if you go down this path. But, you know, people are stubborn. People want to make their own choice or they don't believe you or, you know, there's a million different uh, avenues. But but the point of the matter is, is you can't really tell people what to do. You can't really tell people, um, you know, how how they're supposed to live necessarily. All you could do is be a good example for them. You know, there's times where I try to give advice and tell people this is what I would do. But ultimately, you show them you show them through the word of God. You show them through your example and you try to point them to Jesus, you know, and you pray for a man. And, you know, I mean, there's levels of correction. There's levels. It depends if it's 
you know, if, if it's a disciple who comes up to me, you know, JJ, if you come up to me and say, hey, pastor, I think I'm going to, you know, I don't know. I think I'm going to leave the church and go and, and um, you know, pursue, uh, you know, a tap dancing career. I don't know. The first thing that's popping up my mind. <laughs> I'm gonna say JJ. Listen, I love you. I'm gonna say JJ. I love you, man, but I don't think that's the will of God, you know. Or you know, if, if Rafa comes, oh, pastor, I think I'm gonna pursue ballet. I'm be like, bro, what are you doing? Yeah, you, know? you just know I'll be an amazing ballet dancer, bro. <laughs> I'm gonna say, bro, yeah, they Raphael don't would. make they don't oh, make that big, bro. What are you doing? But anyways, no, no. But let's get serious. Let's get serious. The point is, is, is that's a good question, but that's a hard question because there's going to be times when you see people and you know that's not good, you know, and um, they make the choice anyway. And it's in those times where you just say, okay, um, God, you think about the, the prodigal son. He literally goes to his dad, his father, and says, I want my inheritance now. You think his father was like, hmm, that's a good idea. No, he's like, this is terrible. This isn't going to end well. But yet he said, okay, if that's what you want. And even Jesus does that to us. He says, no, I, that's why I went to the cross. That's why I died for you, so that you don't have to choose this bad choice. You know, so um, that's, a, that's a good question, man. And I think the best thing to do is just be a good example. Uh, speak up when you need to and, uh, you know, let God be God. My dad always, uh, oh, well, just real quick. My dad always says you can lead a deer to water, but you can't make them drink. And I think that's exactly what you're saying. Mm -hmm. 100%. Okay. So, um, back when you, when you first, uh, had the calling to go preach, did you make decisions to, for that will right after? Or did it took a while to start that deciding to write sermons, do Bibles, like all that? Yeah. Um, if I'm being completely honest, I'm after after that conference. So, you know, I knew that okay, this is what I'm called to do, but I also knew that there's no way that I'm going to become a pastor if I'm not married. So my my focus kind of shifted at that point. <laughs> so you gotta <laughs> you gotta uh, yeah. <laughs> but you gotta understand, like the, it, I wasn't, you know, no offense to you guys, but I wasn't a teenager. I guess I was. I was nineteen, but like, you know, at this point, uh, um, I think at this point I might I I think I had already moved out or I. Had, I had just moved out or I was getting ready to move out. I can't remember, but I had already been on my own. I went back with my parents, but I was moving out again. And I had gotten a nice job. I already had a car. Like I was, I was much, it was much more of a reality than it not being a reality. If that makes sense. And to put it into perspective, I got saved in 2011. I got married in 2013 you know, so, and that was, so March 2011, July 2013, and to give it a, you know, me and my wife, from the day that we started, you know, talking to the day we got married was only nine months, so everything was very quick, so I was already prepared as far as financially and um, having a job and things of that nature, but to answer your question, it wasn't like, oh, Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna start writing sermons and, and you know I I was doing altar calls, you know I was absolutely uh, being discipled. I was uh, you know there in prayer. I was I wasn't doing anything necessarily to become a pastor. I was doing what Christians are supposed to do, you know. And uh, but I did did I knew there's no there's not even a chance of me pastoring if I don't get married. So. Those decisions didn't start changing, or I'm sorry, those uh, intentional decisions didn't until after I got married. And, you know, talking with my, at the time, girlfriend, Leandra, was like, I'm going to, I want to preach the gospel. So 
Look, we're gonna preach if if we're gonna pursue this any longer, you have to know that I'm I'm called to preach. And, and um, you know, so that that was up front. We knew that. We got married and I wanna say probably a year after we got married is when we got announced to be the door directors for our church. And that was when my timeline that, that sounds right. Maybe a maybe two years after we got married. It was somewhere around there. Um, but that is when we really like made some serious decisions. We changed the way we uh, the way we, uh, you know, the way we talk, the way we act, the way we uh, uh, conduct ourselves, like everything changed at that point because we knew like, okay, this is serious. Um, so it wasn't so much right when I knew I was called. It was, it was some time, but, um, but the discipleship was always there, 100%. I shall take lead. We should be uh, going to the next point. And the next point would be effects, like effects of the decisions we made and all that. How much should we, like, worry about the effects of decisions that we made? Say that one more time. How much should we worry about them? Yeah, how, yeah, how much should we, like, is it, like, decisions that should be just immediately, like, ooh, I'm going to do it, or be times we should 100% think of every single decision, think of every single outcome, and worry about the effects of the decision? Well, I mean, that's a pretty broad question. Um, you don't have to – risk is always going to be involved. Risk is involved in the things of God. Not everything is – you know, there's sometimes things don't work out the way you want them to work out. Sometimes they don't work out the way you, you know, you're expecting them to work out. So I think there's, I don't think worry is the right word. I think you're, you're more speaking about the idea of risk. Now, if you're making choices or decisions against the will of God, then you should absolutely be worried about those decisions because your eternal soul is on the line, you know, um, so, you know, I mean, I think we talked about it just a little bit in the first point, the effects of our decisions, you know, they're the things that, that people don't think about is the other people that it's going to affect. It's like when you make a decision to go out and do something stupid, you might be okay, but what about your kids? What about your wife? What about the church? What about, you know, your parents? You know, I didn't, when I went out and backslid, I wasn't thinking about my parents. Now that I'm, now that I'm a parent, I can only imagine, imagine what I put like my mom through, you know, um, I didn't think about how it affected the church. You know, I played drums. I, uh, rapped. I did, I was in a lot of ministries and I just left that, that made a big difference. You know what I mean? So the effects of the choices that you make when it comes to the kingdom of God. Yeah, I mean, it will affect you as well in the long run, sometimes immediately, but it also affects the people around you. So I think that's a um, something to consider. So let's say yes. we make the bad decision. Can we pray our way out of it? Yeah. Okay. So is can, right. if you make a bad decision, can you pray your way out of it? Um, Man, that's a tough question. Because I'm not God. Um, you know, I do believe that God will... That I do believe that there are times when you don't have to reap what you sow. I believe that. I believe that... And I don't mean, like, that we get to pick and choose. But I believe that in God's mercy and in God's grace that there are things that God will, uh, you know, stop from us sowing or reaping. And, you know, you can look at that scripture like times when, <clears throat> you know, you think about the times, you know, when God went to Abimelech in a dream, when he was getting ready to, uh, you know, take Abraham's wife, take Sarah as his own. <clears throat> and what did God say? He says, don't touch. Don't touch her. She's mine. And Abimelech said, OK, I ain't go. OK, good. I'm not going to mess with her anymore. That Abraham made a terrible choice. He said, this is my sister. But yet God got involved and said, yeah, you made a dumb choice, but I'm going to help you and so that you don't have to reap 
what you've sown. Now, was he praying? I don't know. Maybe. Um, I don't believe it's that simple all the time. I don't think it's like, oh, I made a decision to go out and do this or do that. God, please help me to get out of this. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, you got to live with, with what you, decisions you've made, you know. Unfortunately, I thank God that, you know, that for the most part, the decisions I've made haven't completely um, affected me in a negative way. But there are some mental things, right? Mental things that decisions that you've made that will affect you sometimes forever, you know. Um, so I, I guess the short answer to your question is that's up to God if you can pray your way out of your the effects of our bad decisions. Was there anyone that they decisions that they made to that affected your life? Of course, we know about your dad, but was there anyone else doing that uh, process when you were when you were back sitting or when you were uh, church kid? Yeah, I talk I talk often about my cousin Stephen. He was one of the. <clears throat> I think it was a bunch of different things that all together that were one of the reasons why I got saved. Obviously, my parents praying for me, my you know family members, but when I saw. My cousin Steven gets saved. He got saved probably, I think it's about six months before I did. And when I saw him get saved, it was like, I remember being blown away thinking like, he's doing it. And his decision to accept Christ affected me in a good way to where in my mind it was like, well, if he could do it, I could do it. And not only that, but I don't have to do it alone. Like I could have somebody there with me that's gonna that we could feed off of each other, and that made a huge, huge difference, huge impact uh, in my life. And um, yeah, so for me personally, yeah, he would be, and there's others as well, but he was one of the big ones for sure. Okay, moving on to our final subject, um, which is going to be about critical crossroads and making the right decisions. So to lay the groundwork, what is a critical crossroad in your experience, Pastor Long? Um, critical crossroads. Uh, I mean, in my experience, there's that's there's a multiple critical crossroads in life. I believe for people that aren't saved, it's a critical crossroad every time an altar call comes or anytime you have an opportunity to accept Christ. Every day is a critical crossroads if you're not saved, because you're you don't, number one, you don't know when you're going to die, you know, and, and you don't know when you're going to step into eternity, which makes every second critical um, if you're not saved. But, you know, the same is true for calling. The same is true for, um, you know, uh, uh, pioneering. There's there's a lot of different areas where you could have critical crossroads, but just a personal experience for me, uh, I believe, um you know, I think about um, I think about when I first got saved. I was making right decisions, doing everything that I was supposed to, but there was a, you know, there was a. I, I'll just say that I had an opportunity that I normally wouldn't have had if I wasn't saved. If that makes sense, and uh, there was something that I was contemplating doing. It was something that I thought that I would be able to do and get away with. Um, but I knew, I knew like because of the past, if I make this decision, it's not going to end me. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a long story, but long story short, what ended up happening is I just, it was like, okay, I'm not going to do this because I know where it's going to take me. I know myself. And uh, but I firmly believe that if I would have made that decision, I probably wouldn't be saved today. You know, so I do think there's decisions like that for all of us, saved or not saved, where you come to these places in your life where it's like whatever you choose. Just know that if you don't make the right choice. It could be 
absolutely uh, destructive for you, you know. So um, multiple examples in my life, but I can think of one specifically. It'd be that one. So, yeah. Um. Um. So. Uh, so what advice would you give to people who are coming to these like crossroads of like, it's a very broad but what would you get like advice would you give for the people to, to make a, a good decision that is uh well you need to you need to stay prayed up number one uh you know when you when you have a relationship with god that changes things um, number two, you need to have good counsel. There's wisdom in, in many counselors. And when you, you know, are humble enough to go to your pastor or to, you know, you guys are doing your little podcast and, and you guys are trying to turn this into something. But, you know, when you're, while you're doing this and you're building a, you know, a stronger relationship with each other, you know, <clears throat> you got to understand you guys aren't going to be, you know, I don't know where you're going to be in five years, 10 years, but chances are, should you decide to stay saved, you guys are going to be friends long past this podcast. And it's like, these are memories that you're creating, but they're also relationships that you're creating where you can, in the future, you can go to, hey, Wyatt, I'm going through some things, man. I need some, I need some help. Or, hey, JJ, or hey, Rafa, you know. And I say that because, now that I've been in the ministry for seven years, over just about or seven years, there's people that I was saved with before I became a pastor who we used to talk about what it's going to be like when we when we preach in each other's churches and what, it's, what cities we're going to end up in, what nations we're going to end up in. And we used to talk about all that stuff. And then now we actually get to preach in each other's churches. We actually... Um, are, um, are living what we talked about but the reason why that i say that is because now it's not like oh we're just preaching in each other's churches the relationship is far deeper and stronger than it was when we were kids so we're able to go to each other i just had a conversation with a brother of mine a week and a half ago for a good 45 minutes and he called me and he said i'm going through some things right now that's all I said. He said, keep me in prayer. And I called him and we talked for 45 minutes and I was able to help him kind of help him get, you know, off the ledge, if you will. <clears throat> I mean, I'm not talking about backsliding or anything, but the point is, is he knew that he could call me because we're brothers. So I believe that that's one of the incredible things about our fellowship and, and you know, having brothers and sisters in Christ is that you have these relationships that help you stay accountable so that my advice would be you know stay prayed up get some people around you they're going to keep you accountable and they're going to help you to be accountable you know i know people that <clears throat> friends of mine who we would everything from you know putting people on the spot hey man how's how's it going you you, you staying clean you know hey uh you know How's it going? You're staying away from this. You're staying away from that. But like putting people on the spot, not like in a you're trying to expose them, but you're you're helping be helping them be accountable. And it's there's times where it's like, no, nah, man, I've been messing up. All right, well, let's get it right. You know what I'm saying? So it's, there's wisdom in that. Um, if you're off by yourself and you you're a loner for Jesus, you'll be a loner for Jesus. And and chances are you won't be with Jesus very long. You, 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 we need each other, you know. So stay prayed up. Get, make some friends, some people that you can be accountable to, your pastor. Um, and then, you know, uh, yeah, that would, that would probably be it. Should we start inviting people to church with food? Meaning the same way as your parents said. If you go to church, I'll buy you food. <clears throat> Should that be the main way to invite people to church? No, I mean that's that's nothing new in our fellowship. We, I think COVID changed a lot of things, but we used to do concerts in the park and have free hot dogs. That's how you get people to come out. Uh, you know, I do think that there's a balance to it. 
And I do think that you can overdo it. I had one lady say she invited her son to church and told him that she would buy him a steak if he came to church. It's like, I mean, you could do that. It's not amazing. But it's kind of like, you know, you, that can get pretty expensive after a while. And you're, you're, you're depending on a cheeseburger to for somebody to have an encounter. Anyway, on the flips, on the flip side, uh, I would say though that you could use that same tap tactic for follow up. So not so much, I'll buy you a steak if you come to church, but how about you? You take somebody out for a cup of coffee just to show them that you care. That is when food, in my opinion, is much more effective. You're not bribing somebody; you're caring for somebody. Big difference. People see right through you when you're bribing them. You know, even though they'll take the bribe, that's not what's going to get them saved. But what could help keep somebody saved is by showing them that you care and saying, hey, you know what? I bought a pizza. Why don't you come hang out at the house or I'll, I'll go hang out at your house. And we'll just hang out. Big difference. Big difference. So I know you're trying to make a joke question, but we don't, we don't play games over here. You know what I'm saying? Woo. Okay. How can we make godly decisions? How can we make godly decisions well i mean hmm i mean i'm trying to think of a way that's not like extremely practical there but i mean um i think you make godly decisions when you know what god wants it's hard to make a godly decision if you don't know what god wants you know so i think the real question is how do you find out what god wants and a lot of that comes down to basic. Bi- uh, you guys still there? My my phone just went weird. Okay. Good. I think the basic. Um, uh, you got to find out what God wants, and I think that the the easiest way to find out what God wants is to be in your in the Word, in your Bible, knowing what the Word of God says, being prayed up, getting advice from from your pastor or from brothers and sisters in the church. You know, um, so I think a lot of it has to do with uh, just knowing the word, knowing, uh, being prayed up, having a relationship with God. Once you have those things, God is pretty faithful and very faithful to show you how to make godly decisions. But a lot of it, too, is exampleship. You don't know, you don't know how you can make, how to make godly decisions. By watching other people around you in the church, you know you'll see somebody, and you'll be like, "That wasn't a good decision." <laughs> like you'll know, you'll learn from their mistakes, or vice versa. This person's getting blessed. This person's seeing breakthrough, or this person's seeing. I think there's multiple ways, but yeah, that that's where I go with that. Okay, I think we're done for the day. I think that's going to do for us. Uh, we thank you guys for being with us, for watching. Uh, special thanks to Pastor Long uh, for coming on and helping us out with our podcast. Um, you can check out his church at just Potter's House, Stockton, California, or something Stockton, like that. Stockton Potter's um, House. Yes, you're, you're Stockton right. Potter's House. <laughs> Weapon at Big S. But check us out on Spotify. Uh, we just got that up and running. It should be Lighted Up Podcast CFM. Check it out and help us out. Uh, We thank you for being here. God bless. So as you can see, uh, as we're all together here on this podcast, the center focus of all of what we're doing and all that we're a part of here uh, in our fellowship is around the things of God, specifically around Jesus Christ. And uh, maybe you're watching this and you, you don't know Jesus or maybe you've made it to the end of the podcast and you're contemplating what this Jesus stuff is all about, I want to tell you it is the best decision that you can ever possibly make. But unfortunately, the Bible says we're all sinners. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. And the Bible says that the price that we have to pay for our sin is death. That is an eternal separation from God. And uh, because of that, because of our sin, heaven is not going to be in our future. 
but that is the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. And that is that if we, that with Jesus and all of his love, all of his compassion, all of his mercy, that he willingly came to this earth 2,000 years ago, died on a cross for my sin, died on a cross for your sin, and paid the price for the sins of mankind, paid the toll for the sins of all of humanity, willingly did it for you and I because he loved us. And he says that if we would repent of our sins, if we would turn from our sins and uh, confess our faith in him, that we will be saved. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose again on the third day, you will be saved. So I just want to give you an opportunity, if you're here in this podcast, to I want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And all you have to do is uh, repeat this prayer after me. And I'm not doing it for you. I'm simply just aiding you in a, in a prayer. But this is something that's between you and God. So I want you to say, Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. And I'm sorry. I repent. I know that you died on the cross and rose from the dead on the third day. Have mercy upon my soul and help me to live for you all the days of my life. I commit my life to you this day. In Jesus' name, amen.